Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Happy feast day of St. Francis de Sales, the 24th of January. St. Francis de Sales is a saint I really do actually want to return to. I'm thinking about reading Introduction to the Devout Life, one of his best-known works this Lent. It's been over 15 years since I last read it, and I was inspired again by Father Matthew Spencer, who's joining me today on Trending, who, Father, you said St. Francis de Sales is a favorite of yours when it comes to the saints. I'm so glad to be with you on his feast day today to talk about the impact that he had on my life, I mean, I think um, I'm a religious, I belong to the Oblates of St. Joseph, and our founder, who himself is a canonized saint, St. Joseph Morello, he was uh, just profoundly uh, influenced by the writings and teachings and insight of St. Francis de Sales. But I, I think it's not just for St. Joseph Morello. Francis de Sales is a doctor of the church, meaning he has great insight for all of all of those all, all of us in the church. So I'm happy to chat about him today. That's Father Matthew Spencer, as he mentioned. He's an oblate of Saint Joseph, and you used to have the show here on Relevant Radio, Saint Joseph's Workshop. I know many people love hearing you when you're back with us, and your keen insights are so missed, especially on topics such as these. His feast day, and we were discussing what to cover. You mentioned something that I thought was so relevant, even with some of the conversations I've had recently, of finding holiness in your current circumstances, the situation you're in, and how St. Francis de Sales really pushes forward that not just priests, not just nuns, but all of us can actually live as saints here and now, and that it's a matter of simply living in the circumstances we're in, but doing so well and with God. Yeah, and I think um, Francis de Sales was very much ahead of his time in talking about this. He saw he saw in his day uh, this real temptation that people had to think that holiness was only for the ordained ministers or only for the Pope way off there in Rome or only for uh, monks and nuns who are you know uh, inside of a cloister and shut off from the world. And his, one of his very important insights and reminders for us, because he didn't invent this idea, he didn't uh, innovate this, he just recovered this from the teachings of Jesus, his, uh, his, uh, his invitation that he gives to all of us to find holiness, whatever our state in life is, in the way that we can. So if I'm uh, a single person with a nine-to-five job working in an office it might seem impossible to find holiness while I'm in front of my spreadsheets or in front of my desk doing things, just tedious work. And Francis de Sales would say, no, there are plenty of ways you can find virtue and holiness in those circumstances, as simple, as mundane as they might be. 
So yeah, he's a very, very uh, important saint to look to if we're trying to be be saints, regardless of our state in life. Something that was significant as I popped open introduction to the devout life and was reading about finding that holiness in your state in life was he was mentioning kind of this idea that a lot of the time we try to act as if we're in a different vocation. And I'll give the example, and I'm sure you've heard it before, but a friend of mine who's a priest will often say that he'll have women come to him in confession. And at a certain point in being married so many years and having a certain number of children, they'll say, Father, I really think I missed my vocation. I think I was supposed to be a nun. Uh, to which Father will say, well, what, what makes you say that? And what the woman's often craving is that silence, that opportunity for prayer. And she's like, yeah, I'm overwhelmed. I can't do what I'm doing. I can't be holy in the state in life. And it's really just an avoidance of that current state, an avoidance of those challenges and kind of this, the grass is always greener in another place, but yet we choose the vocation we're in and we're called to enter into that. And it's natural to kind of look for something else and think, well, if only I had that life, that income or whatever it might be, I would be in a better place mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Yet St. Francis de Sales speaks so poignantly, poignantly, I think, into that where he discusses that it would be odd if... Uh, even a skilled workman spent the whole day in church like a religious spends the whole day in church spending time in prayer. Or for a married man to want to have next to no property the way a priest wouldn't own property if he was a capuchin. And gives these different examples that are a reminder that according to your state in life is how you live your path of holiness. Yeah, I, I think part of the problem, Timri, as you're talking, I was pondering like why is it that we're we're attracted to these different ways of living and by the way i have to <laughs> i have to you know strike my breast and say mea culpa mea culpa mea maxima culpa because how often i imagine oh if i was just out living in a cabin in the woods by myself <laughs> i would be a perfect saint right um <laughs> I think most men think that, Father. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know, exactly. I'll chop my own wood and cure my own meat. And um, The thing is, I might be happier psychologically, but I won't, I won't be doing God's will because clearly I'm called to be a priest with some apostolic ministry. I mean, that's just very clear from my vocation. And it would be, it would be bad for me to, to put myself in a place, and what you are getting at is exactly what St. Francis de Sales. It will be bad for me as a priest wh who has obligations to the people of God to shut myself off from that, and it would not be good for my growth in holiness. It would not be good for my growth in a relationship with the Lord. I might really find peace and solace for some time in that, but that's not holiness, right? I mean, mm -hmm. to feel peace in my heart does not mean that I'm I'm living the holy life that God wants for me. So I, I, I guess what I'm thinking, Timory, is that we can often confuse this feeling of holiness with holiness itself, right? We mm, can mm -hmm. imagine that, well, if I'm just at peace, if nothing is, you know, bothering me, if I feel like I can feel the radiant warmth of the halo around my head, then I'll be, <laughs> that's when I'm holy. But that's not that's not what holiness is, right? Holiness mm -hmm. is doing the will of God regardless of the circumstances of our life. And that's something that St. Francis de Sales, as I was reading through some of the book today, really hits home is this appearance of holiness, this appearance of being devout, this appearance of, you know, 
as if you're humble and you think you're humble, but you're really not humble. Mm. Actually, you know, you're you're offended by so many things so easily. And I think that appearances, he really kind of cuts to the core of saying, like, stop pretending, stop giving this illusion, not just to others, but to yourself of holiness, but actually do the gritty work and be devout where you're at in your life. Stop looking uh, for the way people are looking at you. Stop looking for other means to be holy. Be right where you're at. And it's funny because it reminds me practically about six months ago. I was six months into my second kid. She's about six months old. And it just seemed like one thing after another was going on in life. And you know, right after she was born, we ended up in the NICU. And so that was kind of tumultuous right away. But then you know, settling into two kids Things happen, getting sick just lasts longer, um, distractions are more, there's another person in the house. And I remember at one point saying to my mom, I'm just waiting for things to settle down. I'm just waiting for things to settle down. You know, this just happened and that. And at one point she said, maybe this is just your new normal and you need to realize mm. that. And it was just a good punch in the gut when she said that because I went, oh, yeah, there's another human being in this house and maybe this just is the new normal and I need to stop waiting for something else to occur or some uh, levity to occur in the day. And I just need to embrace this is what life is now and not uh, embrace the suck type of mindset, which I think our culture says to do, Father, but instead, in a, okay, this is where I'm at. Let's find joy and let's dig in happily and peacefully. Yeah, I was just speaking with a friend of mine this morning who's going through some, you know, some rough life changes and some uh, just some struggles with his own health. And he he notices that he can't do his work in the same way. And he he has to grieve that a little bit, you know, but it's also like you said, this is the new normal. This is the this is the precise situation that God is asking you to rise up to right now, not the situation that it was 10 years ago, not the situation before you had the kids in the house. It's right now. It's this situation with these challenges and with these blessings. And, and will we do that? You know, th that's very hard to do, Timory, because I know that we're often looking back at, you know, the good times we had or looking back at what could be and saying, well, I felt so holy, you know, back seven years ago when I was, Everything was perfect in my life, and I didn't have all this external stress in my life. Uh, but that doesn't really matter right now. <laughs> right now, what matters is if I'm holy in this moment, you know, with all the stress that comes with it. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's hard. You know, it, it is very hard. But I think this is the, the wisdom that St. Francis de Sales gives to us to, as, as, you, as you rightly point out and echo from him, to not just give the appearance of holiness, to not just find happiness in what people think of us or impressing people with our, our uh, quote-unquote holiness, but instead to, to really be people of God in this moment, regardless of the, or not, I shouldn't say regardless, but within the particular circumstances in which we find ourselves. I had a couple friends over the other night who got married in their mid-30s, and they spent a long time single, and we we're discussing just how difficult it is to be in that place of being single and longing so deeply for marriage and how uh, there can be this real sorrow. And one of the things that keeps coming to mind is how we need to form ourselves 
in our faith and enter into that devotion that St. Francis de Sales is calling us to in our state in life. Because if you can't do it when you're single, or if you can't do it when you have just one kid and maybe you don't own a house and you really want to own a house, if you can't do it now, it's going to be harder as the days, the months, the years pile on and we become more settled in our ways. And I think that that's kind of when I look at St. Francis de Sales' message, like look at where you're at in your own life now. There's a moment in the... I keep wanting to say the confessions and introduction to devout life where he mentions that each person, whether the person's a worker, a servant, a prince, a widow, a young girl, a married woman, each and every single one of these people is meant to practice devotion adapted to the strength activities and duties of each of their particular persons. And that means the circumstances you're in. That means the woes and the joys of life. Yet, I think my question for you, Father, is, okay, it's one thing to hear, okay, embrace where you're at and turn to devotion here and now, but how do you come to peace with being able to acknowledge the moment that you're in right now in a culture that is so busy and loud that we don't even know what our emotions are that we're feeling in the given moment? Well, I think we I think we begin by identifying the the erroneous kind of direction that our thinking takes us, which is that there must be some other circumstance that's better than than this for me. You know, we we fall into this trap of thinking, well, if if only the circumstances were different, if only the situations around me were different, if only my duties and responsibilities could take a different form, then I could actually be happy. Then I could actually be holy. But that's just an illusion. I mean, that's not actually true. That's our imagination telling us that I'm sure there's some configuration of circumstances that would be better and easier for me. But the reality is, is that we can look very simply, Timory, and say, if God loves me, then in his permissive will, he's allowed me to be in this particular situation And therefore, there must be something for me to learn right now, right here. There must be something for me to grow in here and now. And Timory, this happens to me a lot. You know, I, I, um, a few years ago, took on a new responsibility. I'm leading my my fellow Oblates of St. Joseph in the U.S. So I, I do a lot of administrative work. And I'm in the office a lot. I'm looking at a computer screen a lot. I'm on a lot of video conferences and administrative meetings and and a lot of things that are financial or legal, and these things don't don't give me life naturally, right? These these are not. I didn't become a priest to handle these kinds of things, but I also know, Timory, that God is wanting is asking me to do them right now. I mean, he's he's saying this is your responsibility. You need to do it, and and that to me is an opportunity for me to say, okay, well, God clearly wants this or allows this for me. Therefore, there must be something I can find in this. And it's challenging when you're, you know, on your fourth video conference call that day and your your mind is wandering thinking, there must be something more to life than Zoom. But you're you're also realizing, wait a second, the Lord is with me. I can, in fact, find uh, opportunities to witness to people, to give joy and a, a word of hope to those around me. I mean, there are times and opportunities to continue to live the gospel. And so I guess, Timory, for me, it, it begins by by snapping ourselves out of this, you know, daydreaming that there must be some other situation that's better for me, some other responsibilities mm-hmm. that will lead me to faster um, 
faster holiness and faster sainthood. And then to accept that right here and right now, I can, as mundane and as tedious as it might seem, I can in fact find the will of God and I can in fact uh, enjoy living in his presence and in his will right here and right now. Mm, And I think that brings up that question that some people ask of, why me? God, why this? Why this particular cross? Why this sorrow? Why this pain? I want to come back diving into the idea of complaining and even maybe being angry with God. Sometimes we complain. I know I'm guilty of this, of sometimes just complaining too much. But then there's also that complaint or anger at God that some people experience and how when we enter into that, it's actually quite the contrary of what St. Francis de Sales is challenging us to in this momentary happiness of embracing right where we're at as a means to sanctity, that that is what we're created for. How do we find holiness in those moments of why me, why this situation, the complaining, or maybe even the anger that can go against God and our very thoughts and words. With me today is Father Matthew Spencer, the Provincial of the Oblates of St. Joseph here in the United States. We'll be right back, continuing to dive into the work of St. Francis de Sales today on his feast day. St. Francis de Sales, pray for us. Don't go away. Father Matthew Spencer will be with me answering that question of how to stop complaining and being angry with God and asking that question, why me? So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. If you have a question today on trending, our toll-free line is 888-914-9149, and it's sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. Joining me today is Father Matthew Spencer, the Provincial of the Oblates of St. Joseph here in the United States. You may know him from St. Joseph's Workshop that used to be heard here on Relevant Radio. It's the feast day of St. Francis de Sales. If you've never picked up the book, I recommend reading Introduction to the Devout Life among his many works. He's known as a doctor of the church for his keen insights in particular into the spiritual life, the life of the soul in our union with God and He reminds us of living now in the moment, whatever the messier, wonderful circumstances are, the are of the moment, the day or the year, and living that life of sanctity that we're called to be saints here and now. One of the things that I think gets in the way of that is our complaining. I know I'm terrible about complaining, Um, being angry with God even, um, or saying that that phrase, why me, or why this situation, avoiding that awful circumstance that maybe you've endured. I just had a friend write to me the other night sharing about the loss of her child. She just had a miscarriage. The baby, twelve weeks along, she was 12 weeks along, perfectly formed. She gave birth to this perfectly formed little baby that she held in her hands. And she's working through you know, the sorrow of that. And Without faith, you could sit there saying, why me? Why the situation? You could enter into that misery and anger. And St. Francis de Sales has a lot to say about how when we can't endure these injuries in life, it speaks to our devotion. And so joining me now to discuss is Father Matthew Spencer. Father Matthew, let's dive into this a little bit. You and I were munching earlier that, that kind of idea of like, why me? Why the situation? How does St. Francis de Sales help us navigate that? 
Well, he kind of says, well, why not you? <laughs> right? Why? <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing here, right? But he, he, um, he points out that, you know, first of all, there's, everybody's going to experience difficulty and everybody's going to go through hardship. No matter what walk in life we have, no matter where we live or what times in, uh, we live in, we will experience difficulty. And this is just because we're Christian, Timory, right? Because if I'm a Christian, then of course I'm going to have a cross like Jesus. So first of all, it's it's accepting and recognizing that this is part of part of all of our responsibilities as Christians is to endure patiently the crosses given to us. But I think also, um, you know, Francis de Sales in Introduction to the Devout Life will will lead us through a process of of recognizing that. Yeah, things are difficult and life is tough and we do make mistakes, but we have to learn to lean on the Lord and learn to trust in the Lord's will for us. I mean, Francis de Sales will lead the the reader through a general confession in the introduction to the devout life, right? He'll lead us through a process of identifying all the sins of our life and then leads us to to take that to a special confession at a time when it's scheduled with a priest as a devotional way to kind of recognize all the mistakes we've made through the merciful lens and love of the Father. Um, Because if we're not careful, Timory, I mean, complaining becomes habitual and complaining becomes a way of how we see the world. So instead of looking at our lives through mercy and love, we start to look at it through criticism we start to look at it with a lens of resentment and anger and frustration about what has happened to us and i think that's the that's one of the real dangers of becoming people who complain is that we um, it becomes a way of looking at the world and so instead of seeing blessings we start to see just suffering and curses instead of seeing joy that god gives us we just see sorrows and what a what a tragic way to to look at the world, what a sad way to approach our lives. And that's why I think it's, or that's one reason I think why it's important that we we break out of that cycle and, and are grateful and responsive to the Lord for what he does for us. What you said was so significant. We asked that question, why me, that St. Francis de Sales answer essentially is, well, why not you? And it's kind of a kick in the pants when you think about it. Like, you're not that special that you deserve this perfectly simple, easy life. No, God thinks and we are perfect in God's eyes, perfectly made, but the choices we make aren't so much so. And life happens. There's uncontrollable circumstances that impact us. And we'd like to say, why me? But at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with me. And yet God has allowed this as a means of our sanctification of how we will or will not be devout and united to him. And when I was reading his book, Introduction to the Devout Life, earlier today, he calls out fake humility and fake meekness because ultimately this is pride. And he labels humility as what we have before God and meekness as what we have before men in our demeanor. demeanor. And he basically says, well, but don't be deceived to think that you have either humility or meekness. He says, show unparalleled, some show unparalleled arrogance at the least crossword or the least little injury, yet they think they're devout in their meekness and humility. But he goes on to say that when humility and meekness are good and true, they persevere us from the inflammation, the inflammation, the swelling, the injuries usually cause in our heart. So in other words, like when we actually have legitimate humility before God and meekness before other human beings, it 
protects us from all the swelling and the pain and the festering of the wound that comes with a prideful heart. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, Timory, of the parable of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18. It's maybe where St. Francis de Sales was inspired to, you know, to reflect on this point that you're sharing. Uh, this is the parable of the, the Pharisee who is in, you know, the center of the temple and crying aloud to God saying, I'm so glad, Lord, that you didn't make me like all these other sinners around here. I'm so glad that I'm <laughs> blessed, that I, I follow the law, that I do everything you want. It's that false humility. He's trying to get the respect and maybe the esteem of those around him. And he's using it by comparing himself to people there. And then off in the corner is uh, the publican, the tax collector, who's beating his breast and saying, Lord, I'm so I'm a terrible sinner, right? Um, and, uh, and Jesus makes the point in verse 14. He says, uh, this man, the tax collector, went home justified, but not the Pharisee, because it was all a show. It was all fake, and it was all for vain, vain, vain purposes. And um, that's easy to do in our lives, isn't it? I mean, it's very easy to to do our prayers because people see us or to go to mass because we want to earn the respect of others or to, you know, wear our, our religion on our, on our shirt, which we should do, right? We should, people should know that we're Catholic, but to do it for the wrong reasons so that we're kind of flouting it in people's faces or flaunting it in people's faces. And, um, that's a hard thing to do. I think learning true authentic humility comes with recognizing who I am, that I am a sinner in the sight of God, that I don't deserve to be recognized uh, as the Pharisee desires to, to be recognized. And yet that God loves me enough to forgive me and God loves me enough to be merciful towards me. And I need to rejoice in that and not in my own righteousness. Right? Mm. It just reminds me of how key humility is. I love the, the litany of humility. Like, if you really pray that litany of humility and think about it, it, it's a good challenge to set yourself aside and put others first. And that that's at the core of the gospel message that we're important, but we need to understand our worth in God's eyes, not so much the world's and our ours as we tend to be so tempted to do in the age of social media and always having to be on and camera ready and to expose all the details of our lives. One of the comments from St. Francis de Sales, and if you're just joining me, that's Father Matthew Spencer here on Trending with Timory, is he mentions the comment of Aristotle of a bee and how a bee can go around pollinating uh, flowers and extracting honey without hurting the flowers and how the flowers are left completely intact and whole and fresh as ever. It's actually good for the flower. And how for us, we need to understand that even in our state in life, true devotion does the same thing to us, that there's no injury to us if we enter into our faith, enter into maybe even that suffering of our state in life or the challenge, as you mentioned earlier, you didn't become a priest to sit behind a desk and be in meetings and doing paperwork all day. But in that state in life, you can actually be left unblemished for the Lord if you enter into the devotion as St. Francis de Sales is calling us to. Yeah, it's um, when you start reading Introduction to the Devout Life, you start to wonder, it's almost like Francis de Sales is a botanist, a zoologist, and a bishop, like all rolled into one. <laughs> he uses <laughs> so many examples of nature 
Yeah. And and I mean, it's beautiful. You know, I mean, it's some of them. Some of the examples he uses are are based on the science that he knew, right? So maybe not quite as accurate to to the science that we know. But his point is is all metaphorical. Like he talks about how um, you know flowers uh, blossom and grass grows, and he uses these very rich images, just like Jesus does, right? Just as Jesus did in his parables, to try and drive drive certain points home. And the, that example that you use of the bee who who can work with the flowers without damaging them, without finding, without creating any problems there and can create, you know, delicious honey from, from this. Well, this is what devotion tries to do, right? That uh, true devotion doesn't injure one's vocation or occupation, as he says, it, but it, it enhances it. It adorns the flower of our vocation. So the more pious we are, it doesn't have to change the flower itself or ruin it or transform it into something else, but rather makes it all the more beautiful by our cooperation with, with what it is. And, uh, and I love that. I love, I love how Francis de Sales, I mean, just page after page, you can flip probably on every page. There's an example of something that has to do with nature and with God's creation and he, but he uses it always just to get back to the gospel message and always to, to get back to what authentic holiness and authentic devotion is. It's great preaching. He uses the same model that Jesus Christ himself used of appealing to mm. nature, appealing to farming, things, agriculture that were so uh, normative for the people of his time. Here's what's interesting to me as we've kind of dove into this topic of St. Francis de Sales, how he calls us to holiness in our state and life and that it's possible. You know, Stop looking for the grass to always be greener or for easier circumstances. But what's significant when you read his work and you read the challenge, the calling, the ch- good challenge challenge that he poses, well, this is a man who's attributed for the conversion of between 40 and 70,000 people and for having not just helped to convert them, but having helped to attract them to the faith itself. And so here's his book called Introduction to the Devout Life. He's showing us how to introduce people into the faith by our very action of living a life of devotion and love for Christ right smack where we're at. And that's the gospel message of love of Christ in the circumstances we're at, not false hope saying, oh, the grass is always greener or things will just get better, but that in Christ, things already are better. Yeah. And with the style that he uses, Timory, to me is so uh, important for us to reflect on in our times. If um, If our listeners went to mass today, they would have heard in the the prayers, the presidential prayers, they're called in mass, which are the proper prayers used for the feast of of St. Francis de Sales, they would have heard this theme that recurs over and over in the three prayers, which is that he was a gentle man. He, he preached the gospel with gentleness and with tenderness. And this is, um, to me, something so important to reflect upon in our life. Obviously, we need to be strong people, right? And obviously, we need to we need to be firm in our beliefs. It's not being wishy-washy. But on the other hand, sometimes we we think that being aggressive in our faith or aggressive in our, you know, sharing of the gospel is going to be more fruitful than gently and tenderly sharing this good news. And I think the life of St. Francis de Sales challenges that misconception we have. It's possible to be a strong person and yet be a very gentle evangelist, to share the gospel in a way that is really enticing and inviting for people to, to embrace and appreciate. 
And so I think besides what he, besides what St. Francis de Sales wrote, which itself has earned him the doc, the title of doctor, I think his whole style speaks volumes to us today of, of the need for us to also wonder if I could be more gentle, if I could be more tender towards people who are really wandering through this world, who are looking for Jesus and they don't even know it. And instead of, you know, taking a bat and hitting them over the head and telling them, hey, I know where you need to go, I can, uh, I can kind of be gentle and meet them where they're at, you know, and that's, that's exactly how St. Francis de Sales lived his life and lived his episcopacy was by being a very gentle evangelist of the gospel. I remember when I was going to confession every single week about maybe eight years ago, and I go every week before Mass, and every time the same priest would say the same thing for the penance, and I would become so annoyed that he couldn't say something else. I'm thinking, I just shared my sins with you. You're saying the same thing you probably say to everyone else. And part of what he would say would be to read the lives and works of the saints. And it wasn't until maybe five years ago that I really started like diving into more of the stories of the saints other than maybe the few that I was accustomed to and their works very richly. And I went, oh, oh, I get it now. You know, you read the life's work of St. Francis de Sales. You see his life and you see the inspiration, uh, the model, the guide, all that's there. And I get why, why the priest would say over and over again, read the lives of the saints and read the works that they write because it's transformative when you start spending time with these saints who have such loving devotion and who get it. They're not these holy rollers who are privileged and don't know what real life is like. They actually have a keen understanding of human experience. And Father Matthew Spencer, thank you for joining us today on Trending. Happy Feast Day of St. Francis de Sales. Father Matthew Spencer is a provincial of the Oblates of St. Joseph here in the United States. We're posting a link in the episode notes and also on social media if you'd like to follow him, especially on Twitter and Instagram. I'll be right back here on Trending with this question of, is abortion safe? The Indiana Health Department is withholding records detailing abortion and the malpractice occurring in many abortion facilities and by physicians. What's happening? Why the cover-up? Stay with me. I'll be right back. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I've talked to countless women who have asked this question or made this statement as if it were a question. Who asked the question, is abortion safe? And then who made the statement in a questioningly way, abortion is safe. Almost as if they're about to say, right? Like abortion is safe, right? Women I've known who've had abortions have said that that's one of the questions they asked. Is it a baby? And is abortion safe? To which they deep down inside know the answers to each. And any woman who's been through an abortion, perhaps you 
have yourself. You know the impact of abortion. Physically, emotionally, mentally. Is abortion safe for women? Hands down, no. We could talk about pelvic inflammatory disease. We could talk about future risks of ectopic pregnancy, future risk of miscarriage, future risk of delivering a baby preterm. We can dive into the many medical impacts. But here's another perspective that I think is important to touch on. What's happening in the state of Indiana? Now, perhaps you remember that Indiana has made abortion illegal in the state, although they do have a number of exceptions, and I'll detail those later. The Indiana Health Department is engaging in a massive cover-up for doctors who kill babies via abortion. And the Indiana Department of Health is covering up for abortion businesses. You see, what's happening is the Indiana Department of Health is refusing to release medical records that detail medical malpractice and life-threatening and even life-ending situations for women, including the cover-up of the fact that many doctors who kill babies via abortion are failing to meet basic reporting having to do with if they have a victim of a sexual crime in their operating room. Specifically, if that victim's a minor. Abortion is never safe. It never has been. And especially for those who have been through abortion, you know. The culture covers it up. You're told not to share the truth of the impact. But look at the trend of shout your abortion. Shout my abortion. The anger and terror and the visceral reaction should speak volumes to how not okay women are physically, mentally, emotionally, interpersonally in their relationships after the wound of abortion. In fact, one of the singers from the Pussycat Dolls just shared her testimony this past weekend at the Walk for Life in San Francisco. We'll dive into that a little later this week on Friday about how she had three abortions and how the death of her three children have impacted her for life. So we have to let people know the truth about abortion safety. Here's a story, though, in Indiana. Records are, there are many public records that can be accessible by you, me, and organizations that dive in and blow the whistle on medical malpractice. It could be in many areas, pediatrics, emergency room, you name it. In this case, it's organizations who dive in, people volunteer their time to look at the medical records of women who have had abortions. Now, the records document, and we know this, the fact that In the state of Indiana, abortionists are failing to meet reporting laws regarding girls under the age of 16 who were raped and taken for an abortion. Because what happens when a minor is taken for an abortion and the abortion occurs? Well, what if that abuser has been left without having been caught facing justice and that abuser continues to be out there? What if that girl is being sex trafficked? What if it's a family member or a friend or someone in her close vicinity who's repeatedly harming her or could. Well, this is why organizations like Voice for Life in Indiana is an active pro-life organization fighting to protect women against unsafe medical practices, including failed reporting by physicians who are legally bound to report what they see when it comes to abuse, even if they think abuse could be possible. And they have clear evidence here. 
What's happened is a Voices for Life has been one of those groups of people, many of whom are volunteers, who have been searching public medical records and exposing the truth of medical malpractice in the state of Indiana, and in this case, by the Indiana Health Department, and how illegally the Indiana Health Department is now hiding evidence. So one example is Voices for Life in Indiana actually uncovered through looking at documents, redacted and non-redacted documents that are in the public domain, that in the year 2022 alone in Indiana, three women died from their abortion procedures. Two babies were born alive after failed chemical abortions. And there were 22 different abortion doctors in the state of Indiana who were accused of medical malpractice and should have lost their license but didn't. The Indiana Department of Health failed to shut down any of these facilities, failed to sanction or take away licensing or require, and this would be, this isn't even punishing a doctor, but require perhaps ongoing training, continued education for a physician who's hurting women and killing women, literally on the operating table. Instead, what happened after the year 2022, where three women died after an abortion, two babies were born alive, and over 22 abortionists were reportedly accused of medical malfeasance, what happened? The Indiana Department of Health received a 2,000% increase in taxpayer dollars, going from a $7 million budget to $150 million. This is unheard of. Well, what happened in 2023? Well, 2022, we saw the overturning of Roe versus Wade. 2023, the state of Indiana makes abortion illegal, except in they have many exceptions. And I'll dive into how that's relevant in the story in just a moment. Well, let me share with you another story of what happened. The Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakita nearly lost his license to practice law for factually stating the true story with clear words about a young 10-year-old girl in the state who had an abortion after having been raped and that the doctor who killed her baby via the abortion failed. I'll make it very really clear. Chose not to report the rape of this minor, this little girl, 10 years old. The same doctor has a history of failing to report abuse of other minors and people who have been abused, even though that's legally part of his job. And what happened is the Indiana Attorney General, Todd Rakita, actually reported on this. Well, the pro-abortion movement became angry that he shared the truth in very blunt words about what happened. So they went after him trying to make it so that he'd lose his license to practice law. The Attorney General, in the end, was forced to pay a $250 fine to resolve losing his license, even though he did nothing wrong other than just tell the truth. And abortion advocates are now pressing again for investigations into the attorney general to try and revoke his license to practice law. All because he told the truth about an abortion, the cover-up of abuse of a 10-year-old girl, and the literal destroying of evidence that is of the baby that would connect that little girl and the man who abused her via that child. And let me be clear, because some people I think say, well, I'm okay with abortion in the cases of rape. That's ridiculous. And I don't mean to upset you by saying this. I worked for over five years in the crisis pregnancy centers. I've sidewalk counseled for years. I have seen firsthand women who have been raped 
and who have both chosen to have an abortion and not. And let's be really clear. A woman who has suffered an abortion is a victim. Or sorry, a woman who's suffered rape is a victim. It needs all sorts of guidance and love and help and healing after the abuse that's occurred to her. But what happens when a woman then is given, quote, abortion as a solution is that that woman psychologically now has the damage done of both the rape and now of the abortion because every woman who, even if it was unwanted, an unwanted child in this case, from an abusive situation, Every woman who becomes pregnant is a mother. And that is the killing of her baby. And that is why the mental and emotional psychological damage done to a woman who has an abortion is so severe. That what happens is a woman who was trying to heal from the abortion or from the rape who then has an abortion, her healing process from the rape is completely stymied. She will start to identify, and she says this, she starts to identify more as an abuser than as a victim because she looks at it as the fact that she was abused and she was the victim, the innocent victim in the case of the rape. But when it comes to abortion, she identifies herself as the abuser against now an innocent victim being the child who has been aborted. And so she starts to identify more with her abuser than she does as the victim that she is. Abortion is never, ever a solution for a woman who suffered rape. It makes it worse. Not to mention that it kills a baby in the process. And why would we justify that? It destroys evidence as well of rape and abuse. So it's important we just mention that as we talk about how people might say, well, this is a 10-year-old girl. I understand. This is a dire situation. But we only leave girls to further abuse and further fear in further damaging of the healing of their sexuality and the healing of their body and soul if we fail to report these instances of abuse and if we move and push forward for abortion to be the solution. It never is. Now, what happened is the Indiana Department of Health, beginning in August of last year, 2023, after the pro-life law was passed and implemented in Indiana, decided that they were no longer going to make public the records that they have on women who have gone through with abortions. And part of their claim is that so few women are having abortions now that it should be pretty easy for people to figure out and find the documentation linked to that. Here's the deal. Technically, Indiana Department of Health is legally bound by the state legislator to release documents to the public. Furthermore, public records that in the past have even been redacted so that you can view it, but a lot of it's redacted so you can't see it. It's blacked out. Even those records are no longer available. Their excuse is to say, again, that now that there are so few abortions, we really don't have to make this information public. Do you know what they're actually doing right now? They're covering up how many abortions are actually occurring in the state of Indiana, that they're using excuses for women to have abortions. The law is abortions outlined outlawed in the state of Indiana. You can't kill babies there, except, unfortunately, there are exceptions, such as if the baby um, supposedly has a fetal abnormality, which we know often that fetal abnormalities are misdiagnosed. Um, It's also in the case of until birth, a woman can have an abortion if the doctor believes the mother's life is in danger. So all it is is an arbitrary belief justified by the physician. And also you can abort babies up to 10 weeks if the 
mother was raped. So those are the exceptions. But what's happening is by hiding medical records and public records, even redacted documents, they're covering up how many babies are being aborted and what the reason is and the ability to follow up on stories. So what we're seeing is a high number of abortions that are likely happening in the state of Indiana illegally without any paper trail to hold physicians, hospitals, or anyone involved in that abortion accountable. This is a massive cover-up to justify abortion. But what's happening is they're covering up the malpractice as well. As I mentioned, in 2022 alone, three women died in the state of Indiana after going through an abortion. Two babies were born alive after failed chemical abortions, and there were 22 complaints against 22 or more than 22 there are 22 physicians who perform abortions who are accused of medical malfeasance and they did not lose their medical license so what's happening is the indiana department of health is engaging in a massive cover-up although we're seeing praise god the overturning of roe versus wade and pro-life laws being implemented in various states we are seeing a massive cover-up of abortion for physicians and hospitals across the nation in these states. This is why we need you to be involved in the pro-life movement in your state. One example is in the state of Indiana, Voices for Life there in Indiana. You can find them at voicesforlife.com as one organization working very hard to expose a medical malpractice occurring by hospitals and physicians so that at the basic baseline level, at least good practicing physicians and good medical conditions in well-reputed businesses and in physical physical areas of medicine can actually provide good care. And so I'm encouraging, it's time to get involved in your state. Know what's happening in the politics surrounding abortion in your state. Know what's happening in the cover-up. Know that, for example, in the state of Indiana, in Indiana Department of Health, is illegally withholding documents. You can get involved and help change that to expose and blow the whistle on physicians who are abusing women and damaging their bodies. There's much to be done. There's a lot of hope here, but we have to be willing to stand up against bullies who are failing to meet the law, who are failing to meet legal requirements that they're bound by. And all we have to do sometimes is help to hold and toe the line when it comes to what the law is and the accountability. And so Voices for Life is one organization. I want to encourage you in your state. Is there an organization in your state that you're plugged into that's helping you to be informed of the culture of abortion and ways you can help? As we just looked at the anniversary of Roe versus Wade this week, I want to encourage you to take a step this week to choose at least one organization to be involved with. Maybe it's a pregnancy resource center. Maybe it is a legal firm working on the life issue. One organization that you get involved with with reading their articles, hearing the news in your state about abortion. Maybe you start praying in front of the abortion clinic with 40 Days for Life. There's a new campaign coming up during Lent that begins in just a couple weeks here. Please choose now as the time to start defending women and protecting babies and towing the line because we have the ability to. The law is on our side. If only we help people keep people accountable for the truth of proper medical practices and the protection for women. Up next is the Family Rosary Across America. Let's pray for women in crisis pregnancy situations. We have Father Simon on the Family Rosary up next. 
This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Does a man need encouragement from his wife? If so, what does that look like? Is that fake praise, words of flattery for his ego? Thursday on Trending, I'll dive into the male-female differences and how to meet the needs of your spouse. Join Devin Schott and I as we take questions about marriage and finding a spouse. Join me daily on Trending, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.